Well, good evening. It is good to be with you. It is good for us to be together, and we do very much appreciate those who are visiting with us. We have a number, and we're glad that you're here. And we hope you come back and be with us as often as you can. To be created in the image of the Creator and to be adopted by the Heavenly Father makes us truly very precious souls. An individual's worth needs to be seen through and rooted in his relationship with God, with his creator, and with his redeemer. God values you, and God values me. And so we need to value one another likewise. And we need to value and see that value in ourselves as well. So, do you see yourself personally as a saint of God? Is that how you see yourself? That you are a saint of God? If you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and you have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. And you are partaking of sanctification. Now, we need to understand that sainthood is not because, you know, you and I have done a lot of good things, exceptional things as viewed by the world. That is not what makes us a saint. And it's not because some religious group has voted on you and lifted and exalted your name in a way and said, okay, now you are a saint. But you are a saint because of what God has done for you. And you are a saint because of what God has done with you. And you are a saint because of what God is doing through you right now. And so, so when people ask you about your faith, when people ask you about what you do or what you don't do or why you do or why you don't do, do you ever respond to them by saying perhaps, well, it is because I am a saint. Do you ever say that? I don't do that because I am a saint of God. Or I do do this because I am a saint of God. My guess is that is probably not your answer. Because it's usually not my answer either. Disciples of Christ are more frequently identified as saints in the scriptures than the more commonly used description we use today when we call ourselves Christians. And that is a good identification. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I don't do this because I am a Christian. That's a good answer, a sound answer, a biblical answer. Or I do, I do do that because of the same reason. That is, this is not a bad thing. But I simply throw up the three passages, and there's only three in the New Testament that use the word Christian. So this is not the most common description of God's people in the Scriptures. It is not the most common one that the Holy Spirit uses to talk about individuals who have called, who have been cleansed, and have been saved by and through Jesus Christ. The word saint is used far more frequently to talk about you and who you are. So what is a saint? And I think most of us could give a pretty good definition of what it is as Bible students. This is not a subject that is new to most of us. As good students and followers of Christ, you know, we, we are growing to understand what it means to be a saint. But simply define, a saint is someone whom God has sanctified. Well, you know, that's a pretty basic definition, using the same word to define itself. And we know that's not the best kind of, of definition, but that's what it is. A saint is simply the person who has been sanctified. And so, therefore, in Hebrew, and so that's the Old Testament, and in Greek, and that's the New Testament, the words holy ones or saints refer to persons or beings that are sacred, consecrated, dedicated, hallowed. That's who a saint is. And there are earthly beings that are saints, holy ones. And there are heavenly beings that are holy ones as well. The first use of this term... As far as my research, if it's correct, the first time that this idea of a saint or a holy one is used is found in Deuteronomy chapter 33. That's the first time that the word saint or holy one is used in the Bible. And it is, it is part of this song or blessing of Moses, which he makes at the end of his life. And so reading in the first three verses, it says, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. All your holy ones are in your hand, and they followed in your steps. Everyone receives of your words. So there you see is the first time this concept of saint, a person who is consecrated, dedicated, hallowed, you know, in some way is used biblically. And what I want to emphasize is the word saint is not a given name that is not your name saint it's not the name like david or joe no it's it is a an identification it is an identity it is part of who you are 
It is what you are. Just as I would say, I am a man, I am a husband, I am an evangelist, and I am a saint. Those are all descriptions of who I am, not my name. And so that's important to understand that. And so therefore, it is not simply some little title you put in front of your name either. The word sanctify means to set aside, something we say set apart or separate. But you have this idea, you're setting aside particularly to God and for God's purposes. And that's going to be manifested in the life that you live. And so your life needs to be befitting of that which describes you as a saint, as the one whom God has set aside, the one that God has separated you unto himself and unto his purposes. And so, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 1, where we are called, the, saint, the Christians then and the Christians today are called by Peter's exhortation here, As the Spirit has him to write these words, he says, in verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 1, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. So don't be conformed to those things that are not good, the things that are bad. But rather, as obedient children, be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So God, through his Son, and through his grace and truth, and all of the great scheme of redemption that's been made available to us, God has sanctified you and me. He has set us aside to himself for his purpose. We are now his holy ones. And so now my life needs to be reflecting that. It needs to be one that befits my calling, my being set apart for God. And so therefore, when children obey their father, when we obediently as God's children imitate our holy heavenly father, what are we? We are his holy children. We are his holy ones. We are his saints. The psalmist expressed in Psalm 16, verse 3, as God is speaking, God there is saying, as for the saints who are in the earth, and so the saints of old and the saints of today, as for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. God takes delight in those who are his holy children and he has called all his children unto that holiness in second timothy chapter 2 21 it talks about how you know those who are sanctified those who are sanctified are useful vessels And so, God, you think of the idea, not only am I sanctified to God or for God, I am sanctified for God's purposes. And so, what does God want out of me? What what does God want from me? Well, he wants me to be a useful servant, a useful steward for his cause. 
And so he says there in 21, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified. And so here you are, you are, as a Christian, you are a sanctified vessel. You've been set apart for a purpose, for a reason, for a work. And he says, you know, so if you will cleanse yourself, he said, you will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So therefore, acceptable sanctification Acceptable sanctification, as defined by God and revealed in the scriptures, originates and comes from God. If you want to talk about true sanctification, you're going to have to go to the scriptures and see what God says about it. Therein is the truth on this subject. It comes from God. It originates in God. For example, in the Old Testament... We read about Jehovah sanctifying his people in the Old Testament. We also read about God sanctifying vessels and sacrifices and days. And all of the things are sanctified for a holy reason. Why? Because God must be treated. God must be approached. God must be worshipped and served in all manner of holiness. That's why God set the law as he did, and establish it to communicate his holiness. And so all of those rules and regulations were to amplify the kind of God we serve and the kind of people we are to be based upon that first covenant. And so God is expressed in the New Testament as one who sanctified his son in John Chapter 10, verse 36. And talk about how God has sanctified his son, Jesus Christ. In what, in what way? In what, in what sense? Well, obviously, that's going to be in the sense that he sent his son to the earth on a very, very, very holy mission. His whole purpose, his whole life, his whole mission was sanctified by his father. It was set apart. For God, for his purpose. And the purpose all revolves around providing redemption to sinners who need saving. In John, in John 17, verse 19, it talks about how the Son, Jesus Christ, sanctified himself. To do what? To complete his Father's will. Not only did the Father do some sanctifying, but also the Son has done some sanctifying so that he would complete the Father's will and the Father's purpose that he was sent to do. In verse 17, in the same chapter, he says, The word of truth sanctifies believers. It's part of the prayer that Jesus expresses there. And he's, he calls upon his Father to sanctify the disciples and to sanctify them with thy word of truth. And because of all of this and more, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, this God-ordained, this God-governed, sanctifying work through Christ, enable sinners to what? To be washed, to be sanctified, and to be justified. Because the, because the Father has sanctified, 
because the Son has sanctified, because the word of truth sanctifies, therefore you can have a statement made in the 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians verse 11, talking about the people in Corinth who had answered the call of the gospel. He says, such were some of you, talking about their past. And it was an ugly past, a very ugly one, filled with sin. He said, but such were some of you, but you were washed. And but you were sanctified. And but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Because you have been washed and sanctified and justified, that's your past. That's not your present. You are in Christ now. You are a saint And so, therefore, it should not surprise us that the churches of Christ are referred to as churches of the saints as well. Not a term we often talk about. We talk about the church in a number of different ways, using the the Holy Spirit description, but this is not one that we often communicate, that the church is the church of saints, and so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, God is not a God of, of confusion, but of peace as he is in all the churches of the saints. And so we should not be surprised when you're reading through the, uh, throughout the New Testament that you're going to find a constant reference to Christians, disciples of Jesus in different places as saints. And so you go down the list there, as you look up there on the PowerPoint, you've got the saints in Jerusalem, you've got the saints in Lydda, and then Rome and Corinth. Just You go on down as you read those epistles about God's people in Christ Jesus. So therefore, a saint is someone whom God has sanctified to himself for his purpose through his son, Jesus Christ. And the truth that saves. So, what ways are befitting for one who has been consecrated unto God's purposes? What ways are befitting of us? Because if you have called on the name of the Lord, and you have been forgiven by the blood of Christ, and you have been added to the body of Christ, which is the church of the saints, then you are a saint. And therefore, we need to show it. We need to live it. So what is befitting for one who is a saint? Let's go back to Psalm, Psalm 34. As the the concept of God's people being his saints, people sanctified by God for his purpose, started way back in the relationship he had with Israel, the descendants of Abraham. And so looking here in the 34th uh, Psalm, verse 8 and 9, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. Fundamental to our sanctification and living a life of sainthood as depicted and revealed by the Holy Spirit 
It is a life governed and founded upon the idea of the fear of the Lord. It starts there. Understanding what our sanctification is and what it means to be a saint and unashamedly calling ourselves a saint. It begins with understanding that our life is governed by a fear of the Lord. A saint knows his proper place to the one who is the redeemer and sanctifier of his soul. If we have been redeemed and sanctified by God the Father through Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit, then we understand what our place is. And our place is one that we are to fear God. And it is that fear that should govern and stimulate and guide everything else about what we do by faith. And a right fear of God will govern behavior. That's going to be just a natural byproduct. And that is brought out here in Psalm 34. In verse 11 and 12, come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, so the saints, okay, those who fear the Lord are his saints. They find refuge in him. And he said, okay, now come and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? And then he starts expounding on specific things about behavior, such as your words. And so he says, keep your tongue from evil. And then in verse 14, about your deeds. Depart from evil and do good. And so, yes, a life governed by the fear of the Lord is the foundation on which our sanctification and a life befitting of sanctification must begin. So we should not be surprised when Jesus teaches in Luke 12, verse 5, about fear, and whom should we fear? And he says, don't fear this guy. Oh, yeah, he may take your life. Yeah, he can kill you. But he says, you don't need to fear that one. But there is someone I'm going to tell you that you need to fear. You need to fear the one who can destroy both body and soul. That's the one to fear, and that's God. That's the Almighty. That is our Father, And so we should not be surprised then over in in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 when it talks about the promises that we have in Christ Jesus that we are called and we are challenged to perfect holiness in the fear of God. And so there in verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, if I'm going to live a life of a saint, I must have a life that's governed by a fear of the Lord. And that fear is going to help me to make a very sacred choice about what I don't do anymore. A choice to no longer practice deeds of darkness Ephesians 5 talks about certain behavior that is not to be named and seen among those who are saints. Now, 
the Christians in Ephesus are called saints in Ephesians 1 verse 1. And so he writes to the saints in Ephesus. And so he reminds these saints in chapter 5 verse 3 and 4 that immorality and any impurity and greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. It's not proper for us to be practicing fornication, impurity, greed. And even further on in verse 5, you know, this unfitting speech, this filthiness, this coarse jesting, that's not to be heard from the lips of those who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so these things are wrong. They're unacceptable. Why? Because such carnal actions, words, and behavior stand in opposition to the purpose you have been called. They are contrary to the character of your God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, encourages the saints in that city in verse 2 beginning reading he says you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the lord jesus christ and so he's basically saying what i'm about to tell you is from jesus that he says for this is the will of god your sanctification So sanctification comes from God. Sanctification is according to the authority of Jesus Christ. And he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Why is that? Because you have been set apart, set aside to God now, to his purpose. And sexual immorality does not achieve the purpose to which you have been called and redeemed for. And so he says that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. If we know God, then we know that we have made a sacred choice when we obeyed Jesus. We obey Jesus. It was not only to cleanse us of all our past sins, but we obey Jesus to begin living a life that's new and different from the world. It is also a life of service, a service that is motivated by love. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 9 and verse 10, As the Holy Spirit is exhorting and encouraging the saints in in this audience through this book, he reminds them in the sixth chapter, he says, Beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. So service, service is an important part to sainthood. It's an important part of being a saint. Fear of the Lord is fundamental 
you know, living, you know, every day, not according to the fleshly lusts of the world, that's very important as well. We are to be obedient children of holiness and righteousness, but also we are to be children, saints who minister by love. First John chapter 4 simply states, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You know, Peter exhorted us, you know, God is holy, so therefore be holy. What else is God? God is love, so therefore love, right? And Paul, in his writing, often commended brethren when love for the saints was very evident among them. He would commend them for those exemplary things. And one example of that is Philemon. In the little letter of Philemon, one chapter right there in front of the book of Hebrews, easy to kind of you know, skip over it, you know, because it's not that long, that, not that many verses. But notice what he says beginning in verse 4. He says, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. He's writing here specifically to the brother Philemon, our brother in Christ of long ago. He says, I'm, I'm writing, he says I thank God every time I think about you, Philemon. Why? Verse 5, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Not only does he love Jesus, he loves saints because they are fellow saints with him. Verse 6, he continues, hey, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. And then he says, for, verse 7, I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Here is a saint. And how is he showing his saintliness? Simply by ministering by love. God is love, and he has learned that you know, to be born of God includes loving others. And so he is refreshing his fellow saints. How? Well, we don't know all the reasons. Maybe his kindnesses, maybe his encouragement, maybe consolation. There could be a number of different ways he has refreshed the hearts of the saints. In Romans 12, the Roman Christians, as well as us today, are exhorted and instructed in regard to an essential component of being living sacrifices is this idea of contributing to the needs of the saints. Why? Because ministering to saints is being a saint. That's, that's part of our character and what we've been called to do. That is befitting of one who has been sanctified to God and for God's purposes. A personal, active, benevolent spirit is very important when it comes to the pure religion of a saint. In James 1, verse 27, you're familiar with that last verse of that chapter where, he's, where, 
where the Holy Spirit through James says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is being a saint. It's not about getting your name on Facebook, you know, making the news because you have done some amazing thing that the world you know, sees as significant. That's not what God is looking for from you and from me. He's looking for everyday kind of things that show that we are consecrated and dedicated to God in Christ, to his glory and to his purposes. You think about the character of God. God is holy, God is love, but also throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament both, you see that our Father, our Holy Father cares, is compassionate toward the poor and the needy. And the law of Moses spoke about how to care for those under the you know, Israel welfare and well-being of their people. And when they violated that, and the prophets speak much about that, when they had drifted away from God, and they were taking advantage of their fellow citizens, and they were basically robbing the poor and, and robbing the needy instead of caring for them. And so they did not reflect God's compassion and kindness and mercy and grace. But we are to. We are to reflect the compassion of our Father. And how do we do that? By being holy ones who minister to others. A saint is also a priest. It is a priesthood in Christ where we offer acceptable spiritual sacrifices. And 1 Peter chapter 2 clearly brings that out. Just reading verse 1, he says, You also are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Worshiping God is part of being a saint. I need to fear God. I need to no longer practice the ways of the world. I need to minister to others because of love. And I need to offer sacrifice as a priest under Christ and in Christ. Worship and praise to God must be done in truth and in spirit as Jesus taught in John 4, verse 24. Why? Because in so doing, it will be in harmony with his holiness. You know, God is to be approached in a manner that is worthy of his holiness. That was true in the Old Testament and that is true in the New Testament under the law of Christ. It's not about us. It's not about doing what we want to do. It's all about honoring and pleasing God because he's worthy of all honor, glory, and praise from everlasting to everlasting. And we have been sanctified to join that host on earth and one day in heaven. And finally, we must live a life of perseverance. 
that we are to be a persevering people who continually keep God's commandments and keep faith in Jesus Christ. Revelation 14, 12 simply states, Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. Persevering at all times to do God's will and remain true to Christ, no matter what happens to us in this world, even if our life is taken from us. When we are sanctified in and sanctified through Christ Jesus, we were called to be saints. When you were raised up from baptism to walk a new life, that new life was a life of a saint. We are called to live like saints. We are to be different. We are to be unique. Why is that? Because God is holy. Because God is light. And God is love. And God is just. God is all of those things and more. And we are to daily be endeavoring to imitate him. To reflect his holiness. To reflect his light. And reflect his love. Which Master and Father, do you look like? Which Master and Father do you live for? Do you look like your Heavenly Father? Are you living for your Heavenly Father? Or do you look more like the Father of lies and deceptions? Which one is it? It's your choice. It's your choice to decide if you allow God through Christ to set you apart to himself. But the cleansing power of truth and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that you can now become one of the many innumerable host of holy ones on earth and in heaven. If you're not a Christian, you're not a saint. And you have not been sanctified. And you're not obeying the Heavenly Father. Will you not tonight confess your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, repent of your sins and be baptized in Him and begin a holy walk that gives glory to God and not to Him? If you're a Christian... You are a saint, and your life is blemished in some way, and you need to make that right publicly. We invite you and encourage you to come forward, make your wishes known, and we'll pray with you. But if not with us, do it tonight in your closet. Make your life right with God and live the life that you're called to live. Whatever your spiritual need may be, we invite you to encourage you. Please come forward, make your wishes known while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.